Garrettson and Toth presents The Shift with Jack Johnson on ESPN Kansas City, 1510 AM and 94.5 FM. For the first time in two decades, we have a back-to-back champion in the NFL, and it is your Kansas City Chiefs after an overtime win against the San Francisco 49ers, 25-22. to Hello, this is The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. I'm your host, Jack Johnson, alongside producer Jake Gutierrez. We are now in the territory of a dynasty in the NFL. Yet another dynasty. And where it felt like for 30 years, 40 years, a dynasty would never really stroll through Kansas City. You'd have some good years, but it was never going to end in hoisting the Lombardi Trophy. We had hoped and prayed that you could just get a taste of it. 2019, 2020, that was the taste. But I think even a lot of people would tell you back then, that was good enough. That was good to just see it happen. Some people waited 50 years to see the Chiefs do it again. And then we started to see, hmm, they can do this a little more often. They can be a team that constantly puts themselves in the driver's seat to get back to the Super Bowl. And then I think we all thought it would be easy when, in the COVID year, right after that, they had a chance to go back-to-back, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady demolished them. Demolished them. And I remember thinking on that night, just because it was Brady getting his seventh and preventing Mahomes from getting his second, I thought, I don't really believe that Mahomes is going to catch him. Not because he's not talented enough, but because it is so damn hard to just win one. To do that six more times, it's nearly impossible to do. Everything has to go in your favor. Everything has to fall your way. And then Patrick Mahomes loses to Joe Burrow in the AFC title game. And it's, well, now is Joe Burrow the guy that's going to tie him? Because then you start asking the question, is it going to be Mahomes for the next decade? We know he gets close, but if Burrow were to beat Matt Stafford in the Super Bowl in Los Angeles, we're talking about a different story now. Because not only would Burrow have won, he would have beaten Patrick Mahomes head-to-head in the playoffs, in his own house, in overtime. So it was the regrouping after that loss. And folks, that's the last time Patrick Mahomes lost in the playoffs. Two years ago in the AFC title game to Joe Burrow. That's the last time Patrick Mahomes has lost a playoff game. So they regroup in the offseason. They trade Tyreek Hill. And I think to outsiders, to people rooting against Kansas City, it was, wow, they really mailed it in, didn't they? They really are trying to keep their window open, but more so in a let's be competitive because we aren't going to be able to pay everybody. That was always opposing fans reason as to why the chiefs were going to dip back into irrelevancy. They can't pay everybody. They're all too good. They're all on rookie contracts. Once they pay Mahomes, they can't pay anybody else. So trading Tyreek Hill fit that narrative. Chiefs can't pay anybody. They got to trade a hall of fame wide receiver. Well, they do that. 
And they assemble a cast that still was very talented, but it wasn't as talented as previous squads. And they win 17 games and win the Super Bowl against the Philadelphia Eagles. So there's number two. And number two feels really good because you've separated yourself from the quarterbacks that just won one. Like There have been quarterbacks that have won one, and it's like, oh, I didn't even know he won a Super Bowl. Nick Foles, 20 years down the road, may be forgotten as one of those guys that won one, unless you were an Eagles fan. Jake DeLome, right, getting to a Super Bowl. Uh, There had been some guys that you question about getting to a Super Bowl. But you get two, that puts you in a different category. You're not basically falling backward into a Super Bowl. You're not stumbling into a Super Bowl. And with Patrick Mahomes winning that game, it cemented him as, all right, this is the best guy of the generation. Right now, this generation, this is the best quarterback. The big question remains, is he ever going to be better than Brady? Now, there are a couple of different ways you look at it, and you've heard us bring up legacy a lot over the last few weeks of the playoffs. I do not believe Patrick Mahomes has to get seven to be considered the best of all time because if we were solely going off rings, I mean, go across sports, Bill Russell would be the best player in the NBA, not Jordan or LeBron. We debate LeBron and Jordan, and the only argument really is that there's a lot of rings for Jordan, not LeBron. Different eras, different time periods. And I think Brady in his prime played in a much different era than Patrick Mahomes is right now in Kansas City. Still, back to the point of winning two. Two was great. But still, you could look at two and say, he's still not catching Brady. No, he's got to get one more to really say it's on. Because the reason it would be on is that Brady won three in five years at the beginning part of his career, and Patrick Mahomes would be shooting for three Super Bowls in five years before his age 30 season. And the way this year transpired, it looked like, to some people out there, the end of this contention window. When I mean a contention window, I mean actually being a Super Bowl contender, not winning the division, not getting into the playoffs. That always felt like it was going to be likely. I mean, hell, the Chiefs were 6-1 and one at one point. They were 7-2 and two after the Germany game. They were fine. However, everybody questioned, is this really a Super Bowl team? I questioned it. I sure as hell didn't believe it. How could you? I mean, the defense is really good, but the offense sputtered all the time. And we all know rock bottom was losing on Christmas Day to Aiden O'Connell and the Raiders. And the reason I bring up that game is because that was a 2012 Chiefs loss. The Tim Tebow effect, where a quarterback can't even complete a pass for three quarters, yet they beat you soundly. Two defensive touchdowns from the Raiders, that was like the Scott Pioli days. That was the Todd Haley days, the Romeo Cornell days. That wasn't the Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes days. So it was so late in the season, you're just thinking, at this point, what do you turn to? The the one seed was still on the line at that point. You had had ample amount of opportunities to set yourself up in a good position to be in the playoffs as the one seed and never have to leave Arrowhead again. But they made it as tough as possible. And their path to the Super Bowl was such a gauntlet You would have been foolish back at the beginning of January to take the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. You would have been foolish. Yeah, they got Miami, who couldn't play in cold weather, but after that, they had to go on the road twice. 
play Buffalo, who was the hottest team in football, and then play Baltimore, who was the one seed and the best team in football. And then, oh, after getting past both of them, you got to beat the one seed on the NFC side. And let's all be honest, a home game for them. The Niners had 60% of the crowd, 70% of the crowd travel well, and it was closer to the Bay Area than it was to Kansas City. And yet again, they find a way to win. Patrick Mahomes trailing 10 to nothing in this game. Never a doubt. Never a doubt to win that game. And I thought it was actually brought up perfectly by T.Y. Hilton, former Colts wide receiver on Twitter. He said, a game manager drove down the field and gave them three. But a game changer is the one who took them down the field for six and another Super Bowl win. That's the difference with Patrick Mahomes and a lot of quarterbacks in this league. He's a game changer. Three Super Bowls, three Super Bowl MVPs, two NFL MVPs, and he's the quarterback of one of the most dominant dynasties we've ever seen in a five-year stretch. Here's also the crazy part of it now for those that say it's going to still be impossible for Patrick Mahomes to catch Tom Brady. If Patrick Mahomes doesn't win one for 10 more years, I'm not saying it's going to be likely, but after Brady got that third, there were 10 years that he did not win a Super Bowl. They were different ages. I believe Mahomes is a few years older than Brady was at that point, and Brady also played till he was 45. I think any quarterback is lucky to play a few years into their 40s. So you think about it, Patrick Mahomes, let's say on average, has about 13 to 14 seasons left to win four. And I think if he ties Brady, it's even if you go with the head-to-head and say, well, Brady beat him in a Super Bowl and beat him in an AFC title game, Mahomes is going to have shattered every individual record Brady had. Every record. Right now, Patrick Mahomes, after getting his third Super Bowl, when you compare those stats to Brady, he's got 21 more passing touchdowns and I believe only one more pick. It's pretty ridiculous, the run this guy has been on. And I promise, today we are going to break down this game. We're going to give you the biggest plays of last night. But what a finish. I mean, if that's... Not Hollywood. I don't know what is Hollywood. The Chiefs waited till the final seconds were dripping off the clock to snap the ball for whatever reason. We'll get into that here shortly. And it's McCole Hardman, of all people, to have that touchdown pass. To be open, to have a play designed for him. And hasn't that been so fitting all postseason long? Right? Hardman was the scapegoat against Buffalo. He fumbles the ball to the back of the end zone. And hell, I even think I asked the question, what's Hardman still doing on the postseason roster? What, what is the use? What is the value of Hardman? In fact, let's go back to the Miami game. There were a handful of times he just gave up on routes. He's complaining to officials because he's being held, but he could have kept running. Mahomes would be agitated with him at times. In the Buffalo game, he really costs them. He fumbled also earlier in the Buffalo game. They were just fortunate to fall on it. So Hardman had not been a factor at all. He'd only negatively impacted the Kansas City Chiefs. The Baltimore game, I didn't even see him on the field. 
but yet here he is. He catches a 50-yard deep ball earlier in the first half, right before the Pacheco fumble, and he is the one to have the game-winning touchdown catch in Super Bowl 58, the first one in Las Vegas to give Kansas City number three and become the first team since the Patriots of the early 2000s to go back-to-back. They are now in the elite company that the Dallas Cowboys were in in the 90s, and the Patriots, of course. Now you cannot deny it any longer. This is a dynasty. And they have the uh, fortunate feeling, I guess you should say, trying to think of the right words to use here. They get to go into next year and look to become the first team ever, right, ever to have a three-peat. Haven't seen it in the NFL. And right now, I think every better in Las Vegas would tell you, bet the field, don't take Kansas City because it's just not going to happen. Scary thing is for the rest of the NFL, though, the Chiefs are going to be better next year. This was the gap year. This was the year to get them. This was a vulnerable team. And yet they win it in the end. They get through everybody that was said to be the one to slay them. They were the ones, the big bad wolf standing in their way. Buffalo, Baltimore, San Francisco. Everything in the regular season just kind of felt like practice to them. Yeah, weird losses and why wasn't the offense humming? Why wasn't the offense really moving the ball? It was all to make sure they were ready to go for a postseason run. And it's things that we saw the Patriots do for years We'd have those dumb ESPN analysts say that the Patriots dynasty was done in like week four after they would lose to the Vikings at home or the Vikings on the road, or I don't know even why I'm using the Vikings, pick an NFL team. A weird loss, obscure. And the whole time the Patriots knew, yeah, it's not good. We're trying to win games here in the NFL, but we all know what matters. We know January football matters. Get us in, get us in a good spot, and we'll win it. But even if we don't have a good spot in the playoffs, we're going to get there. Because the pressure's on you, not us. How crazy is it that a defending Super Bowl champion had a target on its back all year long? They were a media spectacle because of Taylor Swift. They were the most hated they'd ever been. And yet here they are. Every person that rooted against them had a nightmare scenario again. Because I truly believe if the Chiefs lost last night, I think it would have been the worst loss in Patrick Mahomes' playoff career. Because Brock Purdy ain't Joe Burrow or Tom Brady. Game manager, as we said. Good quarterback, game manager. To beat the Niners twice in a Super Bowl and Philadelphia, it's ridiculous. This is such an incredible stretch and one that we're not going to see for a very long time. That doesn't mean it's over. This competitive window is still wide open. Like I said, the Chiefs are going to be better next year. The target's only going to be bigger. But like I said, this postseason, the pressure's not going to be on them next year. It's going to be a, yeah, we want to win this thing. And a lot of the other teams in the NFL are going to say, well, we're going to prevent you. But in the back of their mind, they'll think, man, what if they do it again? What if they win another one? 
a three-peat? Four and seven years, would that be? Four and Yeah, four and seven years for Patrick Mahomes. They would have appeared in five Super Bowls since Patrick Mahomes took over as a quarterback. That's, that's getting ahead of everything here. You can soak this one in because I truly believe this is the most satisfying Super Bowl win that Patrick Mahomes has had. I really, I think this playoff run is going to be so hard to top because it is really difficult to be that hated, have a target that big, be that vulnerable, and hoist the Lombardi Trophy in the end. That's the incredible thing of this all. They were not flying under the radar. Everybody hated them. Everybody wanted to see them go home early. It never happened. They threw the best teams in the league at them, and a worse version of last year's squad. Better defense, of course, but offensively, uh, the holes on this team were far bigger than any of their past Super Bowl champion teams. This is the worst team in the Patrick Mahomes era in the regular season. But you could argue it was the toughest mentally. They were the team that never crumbled, never faltered when faced with the pressure. I, I think there were really good teams in the playoffs that they had had. Last year's team, of course, really good. But to do more with what they had, I think it shows you maybe this was always the most dangerous playoff team they had. They really had nothing to lose. Last year's squad, they were the one seed. They were the best team in the NFL. Target was on their back, but they were expected to win all of those games. This year's squad, it was, they may beat Miami, but that's it. They're not beating Buffalo. Three straight wins after that, all coming away from Arrowhead Stadium Chiefs get it done, 25-22 in overtime against the San Francisco 49ers, back-to-back in the Super Bowl for Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. They will go for a three-peat next year. Jake, your takeaways, your thoughts, your reaction from last night's 25-22 victory. I mean, we're witnessing greatness. Um, I mean, this is like this is Michael Jordan air. This is Tiger Woods air, Wayne Gretzky air. Like that's what that's what that's where we're breathing right now. That's where we're at. Uh, it, it's it's hard to have a a perspective so close to it right now. I mean, but we're on a talk show, so we have to have one. Yeah. Um, but as we get as we pull farther away, you know, I I will say, I don't I don't concur with you in terms of this is the worst. Worst team of Patrick Mahomes era. I, I I don't I don't I don't think we can. What say about that. the regular season? I think the postseason. I think the regular season. I mean, it's all one body, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can, like it took that. It took all those struggles to become what they are. True. So you can't discount that, mm-hmm. right? And they still won. They still won their division. They, and so it's like, and they they were great all year long at defense. They were a top three defense all year long. You know, the only the only statistical category they weren't at the top of the league at was turnovers. Mm-hmm. And that's not a total defensive stat. You know, you're penalized for your offense in yep. that stat. But it's, you know, I, I, I mean, I, this defense is one of the greats. It's one yeah. of the greatest defenses in NFL history. It's a top five all-time defense. And they proved it again last night. Yeah. It took the 49ers almost five quarters to put up 22 points on that team. Mm -hmm. 
and they shut down. What was I? Uh, both of us were talking, especially me. I was hammering on, look at these weapons. Yeah. Like you, like you, you're gonna have to shut down two of the four. Mm-hmm. And they shut down three of the four. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but look at Brock Purdy's numbers to Ayuk, Kittle, and Debo. I, I, it's it, they shut all three of those guys down. They shut down Brock Purdy's three weapons, right? McCaffrey's the running back, but his pass weapons are those three guys, and they shut them all down. Yeah. And for a team to do that, especially, you know, Spag, Spagnolo with, you know, that huge blitz on the third and four, you know, McDuffie. Game changing. I'm still thinking about that. Right. Play. McDuffie, uh, McDuffie, outside of that holding penalty that he had, which could have been a backbreaker. Yeah. Right. Had a phenomenal game. Phenomenal game. He, he was everywhere. He was tipping passes. He, you know, hats off to that kid. I mean, that's why he was an all-pro. Mm-hmm. That's an all-pro right there. Um, but it, it's, you know, um, at the end, it, it it's, <laughs> I love, I, I that's the first, first I'd heard that Ty Hilton tweet. Yeah. But it's the truth. Yeah. Right? And it's like, it's why everybody had their head scratching, you know, and I said on Friday, you know, the only thing that concerns me is how many people are on the Chiefs. But then again, sometimes everybody's just right. Sometimes sometimes consensus is just consensus. Mm-hmm. And that was a consensus. You have Brock Purdy going against Patrick Mahomes and Patrick Mahomes all day, every day. Yeah. Um, now, in terms of the Brady era, um, you know, there's still a lot of time. There's still a lot of time. Um, uh, what... What I'll be watching moving forward here is is how many years does Andy Reid have left? How many times can he run this back? Yeah. I mean, because we already heard the whispers all year long. Is this his last year? Is he retiring? He kind of quieted those last night. He's coming back. You know, Chris Jones wants to come back. Um, that'll be a real—I mean, they have a, they have a huge offseason in front of them. They do. They have a huge offseason in front of them because they have some— some key players, especially on that defense, that will not be returning, and so, um, I, and and I do think all the pressure in the world is on them. I do think all the pressure in the world is on them, and I think that's a heavy burden to bear, and they're going to have to do it again. But do you think so? The, the pressure is going to be there, of course, when you're a top team in this conference, just like the Patriots were. There's pressure on you. But also, I think it's a different type of pressure, right? It's not the pressure of, you have to get it done this year. Like, that feels like it's placed for a a Buffalo or a Cincinnati or a Baltimore. It's like, they have to win next year. Now they're not even in the same stratosphere as Kansas City because they've won three. They all have zero right now. So, to me, it's a pressure of, you've got the target on your back. You're the Chiefs, and, you know... There's going to come a time where they don't win one. There's going to be yeah, a gap or two or three. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. But I almost like it's a different pressure, and it's a good pressure to have. I'd be far more disappointed because if they would have lost last night, I think there would have been even more pressure because it's now it's still eluding that third that cements you as a dynasty. Like, they have now had the dynasty. It's about how far does that dynasty go. The only the fun thing about it is nobody's had a three-peat before. Right. That's and, and that, There is pressure to that. Right, and it— it's legacy pressure, right? It, it, that's the kind Absolutely, of pressure yeah. they have on them. But also, it's like that's 
that's where those guys are, mm-hmm. right? And so also with the Cincinnati Bengals and the Ravens and the Bills, they are not going to get the shots that the Chiefs are going to get. That's no. the pressure I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. The Absolutely. pressure of every week people are going to it's try that to, team Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, we're going to try to knock you out. We're not going to box with you. We're going for the knockout. Mm-hmm. You're getting our. We're, we're ha- this is our title shot. Yeah. So they're getting every team's best shot, and I think they had to deal with that this year. You know, being the defending champion, mm-hmm. and it wore on them. It, I, it, it had to have. That's what we saw. Mm-hmm. We saw it wear on them. You know, and all, and that's where all the questions came from. I mean, there's so many great stories from last night. You know. Um, MVS touchdown, like McColl game winning touchdowns. Like the, those two guys, all you know, it's like it, it, the, what a great redemption story that was mm-hmm. last night for both of those guys. And it's just, uh, you know, the storylines, they're just there's it's littered with the storylines, you know, especially you know, growing up in my era, right? John Elway was, was just enemy number one. Like the guy who ripped out, he, he was the he was that guy. Mm-hmm. He was you know, and now 15's that guy, but he Elway seven was yep. the guy that ripped out the Chiefs' hearts all the time, constantly, over and over again. And now Mahomes just did it, and he's done it twice to Cal Shanahan, who you know, his father was the orchestrator of those John Will Elway Super Bowls, right? And then Ed McCaffrey was on those teams, and his son. Yep. You know, so it's like the Chiefs got just got karma redemption against, you know. And that way had to hand over the yeah, Lombardi. Yeah, right? And so it's just like these these the layers of the of this, uh, you know, saga, so to speak, mm-hmm. of, of the redemption story that, that, you know, the healing of the past traumas, so to speak, that, that Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey just did for this organization. And now, I mean, now they are in... Rarified air, and I keep saying that, but I mean they are now a legendary franchise. They are. They are a dynasty. There's been very few of them, very few dynasties in this league, you know, and they are one of them. You know, Cowboys had a dynasty. The Steelers had a dynasty. You know, the Patriots are the most recent dynasty, and now the Chiefs, and now the Chiefs. You're you're on Mount Rushmore of the NFL now. Mm-hmm. Right, not just having the best and loudest stadium in the league, and everybody, oh, what an awesome place to play! No, now you're There's hardware for it. Now you're on you're a rush, you're on Mount Rushmore of the NFL franchises. You know, I think yeah. I mean, you had you had the Niners last night that were going to tie Pittsburgh. Right, right? they needed number six. Yep. And now I've always thought too, because you can't forget about that first Super Bowl all the way back in the late 60s, now you got four. Right. Like, now you are that team that— well, I think they're tied with the Packers and the yeah. Giants. And you and the Giants are kind of that weird team because they had a couple with Eli. Right. But it's like the Packers, for years we consider them to be historic, which they are. They are a historic franchise. But now Kansas City is considered to be in there. Like, you can't deny—they are in that top tier of the Niners, the Patriots, the Steelers, the Packers, the Cowboys— yeah. They've got that that hardware to show it, and that's that's the unbelievable part about it. And I think what's even better, you know, I would say the odds would tell you the Chiefs are not going to win it next year. The odds are going to be on the field, of course, because nobody's ever had a three-peat. But I simply asked the question, 
why can't it be them? <laughs> it wasn't supposed to be him this year. Why Why couldn't it be a three-peat? That's the crazy thing of this. They are going to be better. Maybe not the defense. Offensively, we're probably going to get back to levels that we saw with Patrick Mahomes the year before this year. Or maybe the COVID year. If they go out there and get themselves a top receiver to pair with Kelsey and Rice. Pacheco will be back. The offensive line will mostly stay intact. There's going to be a couple of guys they retain on the defense, and Andy Reid's going to be back, and of course, you'll have Patrick Mahomes. I think they're going to be better. I think they are going to be better. The defense, probably not as good as it was this year, because as Jake brought up, this is a top-five defense since the 2000s, of course. A playoff defense, they were elite. They were electric, and there were many times in the game last night they held their ground, and that changed the outcome in this game. But the crazy thing is, this is the youngest defense in the I, league. I mean, that's crazy. It is. That's crazy. It is. And also, last night, they're playing without their second-best edge rusher. Yeah. And Charles Omenihu. Yep. I, I mean, they constantly had ways to step up. I mean, you're looking at guys like Leo Chennault, who we weren't even talking about back in the preseason. I mean, we, we thought he'd have a role, but it's, hey, Drew Tranquil's there, Bolton's there, and Willie Gay's there. Yep. We're not really talking about Leo Chennault. Blocks the PAT, couple of great uh, tackles and open space that he had. Carl Loftus had a fumble recovery. I mean, he's not going to be back next year, but Mike Pinnell like, put Trent Williams on the dirt. He was and, great. And he was Mike great Pinnell was on the, like, not even playing for anybody oh, yeah. a couple weeks or a couple months ago. It's like, th- that's they, just the. Picked him up off the couch. Yeah. Uh, th- this is a defense that just had that mentality of, uh, I don't care where I was before this, I don't care how old I am, it's the next man up. We're not worried about, you know, holes on this defense, a weak point of this defense, because really, there wasn't one. The Chiefs lost Brian Cook in the secondary. Mike Edwards just stepped up and has been a stud the entire time. Mike Edwards was a flyer pickup, basically, in the offseason. He was a one-year deal guy. But as Jake brought up, they're young. They're incredibly young. They're going to be more experienced next year. They're going to have to see if they can retain their stars in Chris Jones and LeJarrius Sneed. I'd imagine one of them will be retained. We'll wait and see which one, though. Okay, we'll take our first break of the show. When we come back, we're going to give our biggest plays of last night, the ones that shifted it in favor of Kansas City and not San Francisco. That's coming up on The Shift on ESPN Kansas City. Yeah, he caught me off balance. I wasn't watching. He, cheap shot, but that's all right. He did good. He was really coming over just go, just put me in. I'll score. I'll score. You know, so that's really what it was. Well, I love that. I mean, it's not the first time. So I listen. I appreciate him. I got the greatest coach this game has ever seen. He's unbelievable at not only dialing up plays and having everybody prepared, but he's one of the best leaders of men that I've ever seen in my life. And um, he's helped me a lot with that with channeling that emotion, with channeling that passion. And um, I owe my entire career to that guy and being able to um, kind of control um, how, how emotional I get. And um, I just love him, man. Well, there was Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey last night of the Chiefs' 25-22 victory over the San Francisco 49ers. They go back-to-back for the first time since the early 2000s Patriots and the Cowboys of the 90s. That was a interesting exchange on the sideline, I'll be honest with you. Travis Kelsey blindsiding Andy Reid for not putting him in to, to block for Pacheco, where it, Pacheco fumbled. The win, the win makes everything smell better. It does. Because this would be one of our top talking points. Yep. That's a whole different conversation. And here's the thing. I mean, we we have seen this so many times on the sideline now for the Chiefs. I mean, this goes back to 
maybe the mid 2010s. Remember, there were some exchanges, some heated exchanges with Marcus Peters and some coaches. Travis Kelsey's kind of always been that guy, but you know, for the most part, it seems like they're all close enough. They they understand the role they're in. Uh, Andy Reid knows with his players, some of them are going to get fired up. Was Travis Kelsey in the right? No. Uh, you don't do that to your head coach. You don't blindside him and basically body check him. But and, also, you got to rewind it to the game against the Raiders. Yeah. And Andy Reid bumped him in he that did. game. He did. And he benched him because he threw his helmet on the he sideline. He stopped him from getting his helmet. Yeah. I, I There's a level of respect both of them right. have, and I think it's a very much a father-son relationship yeah. that they have. And when Travis gets out, I mean, Travis is one of the more emotional players on the team. Uh, apparently had a speech that had all of his teammates crying the night before the Super Bowl. And one of the best pregame speeches. Hopefully we'll get audio down the road if that ever is to be released. Not sure about it, though. But, yeah, you're exactly right, Jake. This is something we're going to be talking about differently if the Chiefs lose this game. I mean, there's still people that I thought were overreacting a little bit because this isn't the first time we've seen the Chiefs kind of lose their cool on the sideline a little bit. It's happened all year. But whereas I think most teams have become fractured and never be able to respond from it, it's like a, a little blip. They're fine. They're ready to go. They respond well. And once again, Patrick Mahomes trails by 10 in the Super Bowl and wins. I mean, no lead is ever safe when you're, when you're facing Patrick Mahomes. This team in the regular season, a 10-point deficit might have been too much just because they didn't have the, uh, the pressure on them, I guess, enough pressure. Enough on the line for them to overcome that. I know that's probably more of a joke than anything. But in the playoffs, it always felt different. You trail by 10 or more, you're going to come back. Where a lot of teams, they're going to bottom out. They're never going to be able to you know, get the stop on defense. They're never going to be able to orchestrate that big drive. Patrick Mahomes does. Now, I wanted to give the biggest plays that the Chiefs had in this game to flip it. It's not going to be in order, right? Because there's so many plays to pick from here. But I do think number one for me uh, that I'm constantly going back to, it was the first defensive possession of the third quarter. The Chiefs had come out. First play they run, Pacheco fumbles it again. Bounces off his chest. And then the third down play, two plays later, Mahomes gets picked. And that was a gut check time for the Chiefs. You know, you're thinking at halftime after watching Usher perform, it's, hey, we're down by seven. Let's go get seven and tie this thing up, and we feel good. Back to square one, and it's Brock Purdy versus Mahomes in a tie game. I'm taking Mahomes. But Mahomes gets picked. And I think some pass defenses, some pass Chiefs defenses, they could have folded there. They were on the field earlier than expected. They're already in our territory. Three and out. Three and out, and they get the ball back. That was a monumental shift in that game. Because if it's any other quarterback the Chiefs have faced in the playoffs, maybe they do drive down and at least get three. Because that was a thing. They even get three, you're feeling differently. Because the offense still isn't clicking. It's still not working. But defense, it, it can win you a game. Defense wins games to me. And they won a lot of games for the Chiefs this year. I mean, they, they finish with 15. <laughs> 15 wins this year. They were 15-6. and six. That's just bonkers to think about. Now, this defense was one of the best the Chiefs have ever had. And some of the guys that won't be back, you're, you're going to feel the hole that they leave. 
you're going to see the void there in that defense. To me, though, you just you can't take defenses like this for granted, and that's why they won. If this defense was down one star, I still think they would have been a really good defense because they showed it all year long. Next man up. If somebody goes down, the next guy's ready to go. And that's why they were able to have stops like that in the game. In the game, They just constantly found ways to get off the field or forced a big turnover. They forced a fumble on the first drive of the game. They were getting drove on. Niners were moving the ball, and then they punched the ball out. Fell on it. But to me, it was those stands on third down that were even bigger. Second one that comes to mind, we already discussed it in the opening parts of the segment, Trent McDuffie batting down that ball on third and four. End of the game, Niners were trying to milk the clock and kick the game-winning field goal. We are in somber moods today if he doesn't get a hand on that because I do believe Jawan Jennings, the way he looked all night, probably catches that slant. I mean, Snead was blanketing him, but it also gives an opportunity for Snead to be flagged for P.I., or for that ball to be caught. That made me feel so much differently about the game. Because we had seen before in the losses, giving up that first down when you couldn't. And this goes back past years, not just this year. There were times the Chiefs needed to get off the field, they couldn't get it done. I remember a couple of games against the Bengals in which that happened. You just couldn't get off the field on third down. They did it so many times in this game, and McDuffie, is a blue chip. McDuffie's an all-pro. McDuffie's one of the best draft picks Veach has ever had. And I know that they're always going to come in second, third, or fourth because Patrick Mahomes is the top of that list. But holy hell, Trent McDuffie has turned himself into a true number one cornerback. I mean, the Chiefs had two number one cornerbacks on their defense. And LeJarrius seen Trent McDuffie. Athletic, physical, fast, and they're able to make plays like that ridiculous athleticism by Trent McDuffie on that play third one I have here probably Harrison Butker's 57 yard field goal I mean I didn't agree with the decision I wasn't for making a one score game a one score game because the Chiefs still needed the touchdown but I think Andy Reid also knew the way the defense is playing the way the defense has looked you're going to try to win with that we got to take points in this spot. We're, the offense isn't moving the ball well enough to go for it on fourth and six, but Harrison Butker, who had the best year of his career, never missed a field goal. Get the, I didn't see this, uh, Jake, but Harrison Butker didn't miss a field goal, I think, from 40 to 50 yards this year. I just automatic from spots that shouldn't be automatic. His two misses this year, uh, one of them was against New England, and I'm already blinking on the other one. He was 44-46 on the year. It's it's just wild to, th- to think about. You have that level of consistency, but making that kick in that spot, huge, just to get some points on the board. And then we knew a few plays later, which leads into my fourth biggest play of the game. You got that fumble on the punt. That immediately led to an MVS touchdown for Kansas City. Just luck involved there. It hit the foot of a Niners special teams player, and it forced Ray-Ray McLeod to try to pick it up, and it bounced off his hands as well. Chiefs fall on it. One play later, they got the lead. I mean, you you can't even blink. That's how quickly things can change with this team. Uh, you, they can change on a dime. And 
in this game, there were so many monumental moments, had to have it moments, and they got it done. The last one I'll throw in there, I mean, how how hard was your heart pounding on that fourth and one in overtime? I mean, the way the Chiefs had operated third and short, fourth and short, I didn't feel good. I was hoping that it was going to be a play like that. You just have three opportunities there. You know, you could throw it to Kelsey if they, they uh, if the edge rusher would have been Bosa, I think, is coming at Patrick Mahomes. You just dump it off to Kelsey. Such a good play call. It is. It's nearly automatic. Because what I noticed, too, Jake, is that remember in the years of Tyreek Hill, there was that uh, cheat code play. It was like this quick three-yard out that you couldn't cover Tyreek Hill. He's just too quick. He didn't have that anymore. So now this kind of becomes that second-best option where Mahomes can either take it and run it or he can dump it off to Kelsey. But I like the play call because even if it didn't work out, you lost the Super Bowl giving the ball in the hands of your Hall of Famer. You know, if he got stuffed or he threw it and it was incomplete – he had the option. He had two plays to pick it up the, the first down. That's why it was a genius play call. But after that, after they pick up the fourth and one, I started to think in my mind, they're going to do this. They are going to be the team that hoists it again. That was the Niners' chance. Now, there were third and ones and third and sevens on that drive, but it was already when Harrison Butker was in field goal range. So it wasn't as high pressured as a moment like that. But those were the five. There were many, many more. But to me, those are the five right now to me that I constantly go back to and go, that changed the game. Of course, I could throw the the McCole Hardman touchdown in there. Of course, I could do that. But to me, those are the five that stick out to me right now. Maybe not all the obvious ones. I wish I could throw 10 together, but I'm only going to do five so I can swing it over to Jake for maybe five more or three more. How many you have there? But what were your game-changing plays of Super Bowl 58? I mean, we're not even talking about overtime if Leo Chanel doesn't block that extra Oh, yeah. I mean, for me, I, I, for me, I'll just lump in special teams. I, I, I mean, special teams for me really is where they they sh- outshine. I mean, yeah. Townsend, five punts and average over fifty yards a punt. I mean, how many times did he flip the field for the Chiefs? Many. And and you know, and you mentioned Butker, uh, the block from Chanel, the 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 fumble recovery. I mean, those are all special teams plays. And so it's like we always talk about the premium that this that Andy Reid, you know, puts on special teams, and it paid off. I mean, uh, but for me, like the the two that stand out without a doubt are are the third and four with McDuffie, and then the fourth and one. Th- those mm. those two plays for me are everything. Yeah, because the game's over if either one of those plays are, go the other way. Yeah, that game is done. The game is over. Granted, they might have 15, 20 seconds left after, you know, the, the 49ers. They, they yeah. wouldn't have had time, no, really. No, they, the 49ers will milk the clock. It would, have been, it would have been just like last year's game, what the Chiefs did to, Philly. to, the, to the Eagles. It would have been just like that. But they come up with that big stop. And, and, and Spags comes out with the perfect blitz. Mm-hmm. Like, he dialed up the perfect blitz. And so it's like those two plays for me are the absolute because the game's over if either one goes a different direction, right? A lot of those other plays they could have gone different directions, but the game doesn't end right there. Basically, mm-hmm. those two plays the game's killed if neither one of them go the Chiefs' direction. I think that 
you know, there's certain moments that define you as a coach, the play call you make. But Steve Spagnuolo in multiple spots in that game, you know, I'd imagine the pep talk in the timeout, that third and four that was upcoming, I'd imagine that pep talk was one you would want to hear every single game the rest of your career because they all knew the stakes in that moment, right? And I'll be honest with you, not to sound cliche, but there's few guys that can make plays like that in the league. I I really do believe that. There's a lot of fan bases that would look at that third and four and go, there's no way they're getting a stop here. I mean, if I was a Niners fan, I would have felt confident of it's third and four. Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, pick one of them. Jawan Jennings, the way he played. I mean, there's so many weapons to choose from. And yet the Chiefs had all those guys bottle up inside of five yards. And McDuffie to have an acrobatic play like that, it's what defined this defense all season long. And our offense may be sputtering, but we're going to make sure we're never out of the game. You know, and I think the fourth and one play, why even though my heart was racing, I was content with it is because really in the only losses, the close losses that Patrick Mahomes had in his playoff career, Mahomes, or it was uh, Burrow and Brady. It was the AFC title game against New England, that first go-around, then it was Burrow a few years down the road there at Hood Stadium, both in overtime. What always infuriated me about those losses, I know Patrick Mahomes got the ball first in overtime against Cincinnati, but it was that the game was won by a team just being able to will their way down the field. No, they were able to just move the ball. Patriots scored a touchdown in the first drive of overtime. The Chiefs went three and out, basically, had the interception, and the Bengals just walked it down the field, and Patrick Mahomes is left on the sideline watching the end of that game. The fourth and one play, which is why I'd come to terms with it, it was if they lose, at least I got to see the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hands to end it. But he was not ready to finish out the year at that point. He knew another drive was coming. A long drive to win his third Super Bowl was coming. And that is really one thing I believe. I listened to Peter Schrager this morning on Good Morning Football say that, you know, that was one thing in his career that he still needed. Not that he needs much to put himself in uh, this type of stratosphere that he's currently in. But I do agree he was kind of missing that Brady drive in the Super Bowl. Um, And the three that he had won, yeah, you had Jet Chip Wasp. You know, you had the uh, the icing drive where Damian Williams had the 40-plus yard rushing touchdown. Last year, you had the, the drive that set up the game-winning field goal. This was different, though. This was that he had to go down the field and get a touchdown. He could have settled for three, would have gone the double overtime. But this was his drive. This was the best drive he's ever had. He was a perfect 8-for-8 eight eight on the drive. I mean, just a masterclass, brilliantly executed. And you're going to be talking about this drive for years to come. Other fan base as well. I mean, the Niners not really understanding the rules. That's what we'll probably get into more tomorrow. The Chiefs were working on their play calls, how they would orchestrate an overtime in the Super Bowl. And the Niners players weren't even familiar with the rules. Whereas in the Super Bowl, no matter... Who scores first, touchdown or field goal, the other team's going to get a shot, which is why everybody was baffled why the Niners took the ball instead of deferring 
or not deferring, just kicking off, to Kansas City. Because Kansas City then has the pressure of, we got to score here. Now, the Niners were fortunate enough, because of a McDuffie hold earlier in their drive, to get three points. But Patrick Mahomes had to orchestrate that drive knowing, if we don't score here, it's over. We don't get our Super Bowl. And to go eight for eight, just a masterpiece, really. And have a game-winning touchdown to McCole Hardman. That just puts him up there with the greats, even more so than he already was. But like we opened up the show with, there's something different about one Super Bowl to two Super Bowls. There's also something different about two to three. Three at this point in his career is going to be untouchable by every other quarterback in his generation, his era. Burrow will not catch him. Allen will not catch him. Lamar will not catch him. Stroud likely won't catch him. I know it's tough to make that prediction so early, but you just think about it right now. Three Super Bowls to none. All of those quarterbacks, none right now. And the way that he got to his third is the most impressive of the bunch. I know it probably has a little bit of recency bias playing into it, but the way he got here... I mean, it was one of the most difficult paths to a Super Bowl that we've ever seen. And to beat the teams that were in front of him and to do it like this, I mean, you can't even really wrap your mind around it. You can't truly fathom the greatness that we are seeing in Kansas City. I mean, back-to-back years now, we get to sit on this, this mic. We get to sit in this chair and talk about a Super Bowl championship. And to see three... In five years, it's uncharted territory, at least for people here in Kansas City. You're now a franchise among the greats. When people talk about the Chiefs, they're not the lovable losers anymore. They're not the team that uh, may be great in the regular season but get bounced in the first round. They're a team that constantly cashes in. They're always cashing in. And they're going to have a chance to do what no other NFL team has done And that's get a three-peat. We saw the Bulls do it, right? We saw their three-peat in the 90s, different sport, different era, not just because it was basketball, but different time period in the NBA. The Chiefs could slowly become a Bulls team of the 90s. We certainly know now they're the early makings of a Patriots dynasty, A Cowboys dynasty, you're definitely hoping it's more of a Patriots one than a Dallas one because Dallas never got back. New England found a way to add four more after a decade drought of not winning one. Will Mahomes win at least one in the next 10 years? I'd imagine that he will. But right now, you could bask in the glory of a back-to-back third Super Bowl in five years. Back-to-back champions are your Kansas City Chiefs. Well, there is Ray Charles, so it's time to go. That wraps up another edition of The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. I've been your host, Jack Johnson, alongside producer Jake Gutierrez. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 10 AM. You take it easy, Kansas City. What you say?